Welcome back, everybody, to Trad Man. It's been a hot minute. We're sorry for the delay. How you doing, Jace? Oh, I'm pretty good, Mark. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of our one of our viewers came up to me the other day and was like, "Hey, man, where's the uh, when's the next Trad Man episode coming out? We missing it." So, so I was first like, of all, I blame Michael Lofton. That guy has <laughs> <laughs> he he we he we had this great episode planned with him. And then he just blew us off for this low rent, no name, fly by night operation called Catholic Answers. Yeah, I don't that, never no, heard that. No one's ever heard of that. that um, it actually sounds fake. So I think it's I think it was fake. I think he just had something else. I think he had something I, else. I think he stuff. was like, I, I don't want to be on with those guys. <laughs> um, but in in his defense, uh, I did cancel on him one time after we had it set up because something came up. So hopefully no, we'll fine. get we'll we'll get it set up. Um, we'll it get should him. be a, it, it yeah. should be a really good episode once we get it out. But I liked what you did the last time, so I want to go ahead and welcome everybody back. Welcome back, all you mad trads, mad lads, trad lads, and Chad trads. Welcome back to the number one podcast where we talk about traditional Catholicism and all things Catholic. We grow in holiness and we live in the light of the Lord. So welcome back to Trad Man. And I want everybody to come with us as we walk down this road together and have an edifying discussion. And hopefully we don't get lost in the process. I wish I had a way to fade that out, but I haven't figured that out yet. I... I don't know any other thing to do because the paleo credit has kind of ruined me on uh, other options for an animal on our intro. We could do like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we got to come up with something. The, 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 yeah, there's, there's a, there's a, there's something there. I don't know what we, it is. We got to get, I actually like your intro better than the one I did last time. Go, don't make me go get my duck calls. We'll, we're we'll, gonna... do, we'll do duck calls up in here, man. I don't care. You know, <laughs> Before I did want to say something before we do get into the episode um, mm-hmm. for any viewers and, and fans of this show, uh, we did a live episode last night with uh, Connor McHugh over at plot lines. He, um, he had us on to talk about the Catholic church in Texas. So if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. It's plot lines. Very cool. And podcast. It was a very good episode. Really en- uh, enjoyed the episode. Connor's a good guy. And if, if people are unaware by now, we also make regular appearances on Avoiding Babylon. Um, Avoiding Babylon, they, they run a pretty cool little Catholic trivia show roughly every week. And uh, we, we hop on it frequently, have a good time, grown faith. And, and learn a and, lot. Uh, and learn I a learn, lot. So, I learned so a lot from that, that show. Yeah. Oh, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then of course, we've got our other uh, traditional transmissions partner and integrated with Erica, uh, Angela, Angela Erickson. Erickson. Yep. Um, check out her. She's had some good, good episodes here recently as well. So we got a lot of, uh, a lot of good podcasts out there that, that need to grow and uh, need to get more viewership because, um, they're, they're either saying things that need to be heard. They're growing you in your faith and, uh, everybody's having a good time while we're doing it together. So I thought to, in light of our topic for this evening, uh, we would just, uh, kick things off with an Ave Maria. And uh, we invite everybody to join along with us as we invoke the divine blessing and ask for our blessed lady's intercession so that we can have an edifying discussion and grow in holiness and uh, hopefully have a lot of fun on tonight's podcast. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventus tui, Jesu. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostre. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Jason, the Protestants, the Protestants were tripping this week, man. Yeah, and you know what? You know what I'm about what to do? What is this? going on with those people? You know what I'm about to do that's going to trip them out even more, especially those uh, those Baptists, those closet uh, alcohol-drinking Baptists? What's up? I'm going to drink a little Chartreuse. Oh, get it. Get it. Chartreuse in... My trad men mug. Nice, nice. So, and if, you, for, and if you'd like a trad men mug, hit that description down. Hit the link down in the description. Go pick you up some merch. It it doubles as a certified modernist repellent. So when the modernists see you with it, they automatically run back into the dark corners that they came from. Um, 
And and and, spe- and when I talked about th- those people were tripping, it's funny because my grandmother, who was uh, who was very Irish and very Catholic, she never had a problem with anybody's race. If 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 you were African American, you were African American. If you were Hispanic, you were Hispanic. But Protestants were always those people. <laughs> those people. Hey, let me let me mention why I chose Chartreuse, and maybe you know a lot about, about the Cartusian, Carthusian, Carthusian, uh, Carthusian, Carthusian. Yeah, I've heard, I've but, heard of um, that place. So, so they brew. They've been brewing this liquor for a few hundred years now. But anyway. From what I understand, they have a devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary that I believe they even say the uh, little office of the Blessed Virgin every day um, from what from, from what I've read about them. So I just thought it appropriate since um, we've had all these what what really amounts to in its timing, demonic attacks on Our Lady, Her Holiness, Her Sanctity, Her, you know, Her Perfection uh, and, and Sinlessness, you know, Um I just thought it was appropriate drink. Now it's a strong drink, you know. It has a it has a unique taste, but I said well, that's what I'm going to drink on the show tonight. You got to form your will, man. You you got to form your will, and 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 chartreuse will chartreuse oh, will put some hair on your chest. Oh uh, it, yeah, it'll form you one way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I don't know. I didn't that that might be true that they pray the little office of the Virgin Mary. I don't know. I I know they they do pray. I, I thought they would have prayed a longer form of the breviary than that, though. Because... Well, I think, well, from what I read, they do the breviary, but mm-hmm. they also, I don't know, I, I don't know if it was individual or not, but they also, from what I read at least, um, if pray you know, the little office. If, if now yeah, I was going to say, if, if any of our fans know if I'm right, if I'm wrong, go ahead and comment, uh, comment send us an email, let me know. So and if, if I'm got... wrong, I want to make the correction. And if you got something ugly to say about the blessed Virgin Mary, I'm going to delete your comment, man. I don't care, man. I'm not playing these games anymore, man. These people, they, they, they are tripping for real, man. I mean, this one thing, okay. I can, I can at least understand a Protestant who has problems with devotion to the blessed Virgin Mary, because he, he doesn't quite understand what it is that Catholics are doing. But it seems to me like I don't understand how you can be a Christian, and it seems like they hate, they hate her worse than they hate Lucifer. Well, I, I don't well, understand. Well, it, they treat her like she was just a vessel that God uses, used, and then discarded when He was done with her, and that and that's that's just awful to think about it. And and I agree with you. You know, I know a lot of converts to Catholicism, my, myself in particular. You know, maybe we struggled with with some of the Marian dogmas surprisingly enough one of the Marian dogmas I never struggled with 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 was mother of God like because it always just made sense if Jesus is God you know she uh, she's his mother but um but yeah if you don't have a proper uh formation on the Marian dogmas don't jump in and start reading the glories of Mary because you're going to struggle with with what is said in the book but once you have a proper understanding of what the church teaches, Mary's role in our lives, it makes sense. It's like, oh, okay, well, this isn't as bad as it seems. Maybe if you're reading with uneducated eyes, you know. And and one of the things that I that I've always thought about is, you know, if you think there's bad blood between the Catholics and the Protestants, the the really bad blood is between the Catholics and the Orthodox. Like that that's the that's an older beef. It goes back further. The roots of it run deeper. And the thing is, is like they would not, if we just made up all this stuff about Mary, they would be happy to, to, to not go along with it because it's just, just because it's something that the Catholics are doing. But for some reason, all these Orthodox churches and the Catholic church and the Oriental Orthodox churches, churches. they all hate each other, (laughs) but they all agree to give this incredible honor and reverence. And they all believe the same things about Mary. Now that's a heck of a thing that like they all just decided to get on board about that for no reason. The reason is, is because it was true. That's, that's what happened. These things are true stories. St. Luke, um, Actually, it, it, it is an, an old church tradition that St. Luke interviewed the Virgin Mary. And so the, Boy, yeah. the the story that we have in Luke's gospel about the Annunciation comes from her telling of the tale. Luke is the gospel that um, he really went and tried to get a... Hist- uh, 
it's the closest thing that the ancient world had to what you would call a historical biography where he well, and, yeah, interviews and, and, people and and it's gets... more of a Marian type gospel but yeah right. yeah i mean mark mark is like a sayings gospel uh, yeah, he's quick into the point <laughs> quick yeah. into the point it's a sayings gospel john is obviously the the, the more mystical um gospel matthew um primarily is uh, authoring for uh, you know the jewish audience i believe and um, yeah he is and and so but luke is really the guy i mean he, he says so in the beginning of the gospel i went and tried to verify these accounts and i believe i have done an accurate representation here in this book of what of how it is that it all went down right and in this and in the fifth year of the reign of Tiberius, he goes he goes into names and dates and places and stuff so he interviewed the virgin mary the story about uh the annunciation comes directly from her telling of the tale she is the first christian she she by any definition of the word she is the first one to believe and know that god was incarnate and became a man and walked among us. He was the, yeah. she was the first one to know that. Um, there are so many examples throughout all four gospels where Christ gives her so much special uh, recognition and special titles. She herself says that from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. Right. And then the Protestants don't want to call her blessed. Well, but, and, but but they're biblical Christians. It's like, come well, on, man. they they say that, and then they accuse the you know the Catholic Church, and even like you were mentioning earlier, the other what are called apostolic churches, the Orthodox, so on and right. so forth, of just making this up, like 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 it was just something that came along, and the Pope was or the Church was like, oh, this you know why not? But as we as we just. Uh, not discovered, but as we uh, noted in episode two of Tradman, where we talked about the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, when uh, when that was declared a dogma of the church, it wasn't just out of thin air. If you read the document, I can't think of the name of it, Muni Nificus, I think, Deus or something like that. Yeah, but if you, I forget how to. But if you read it, it, you come to find out that there were early uh, liturgies, like third, fourth century that were devoted to the assumption or as our brethren in the East call it, the door mission of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So it's not like, oh, this is 2,000 years later. We're just going to, why not? You know, like yeah, it it has very deep roots. And to ignore that and to deny that is just to be either willfully ignorant or or ignorant of that, that you haven't spent the time to to do the research. And you know, I know going back to what you were saying uh, in reference to to Luke, when the angel Gabriel comes and meets or, or appears to uh, the Blessed Virgin, you know, I, I know some Protestant Bibles and Protestants in general favor the term "highly favored one," and that's actually quite incorrect. the The Latin "full of grace" that Saint Jerome, uh, you know, used in the uh, Latin Vulgate is more accurate to the actual Greek. You know, our, our friend Darren, um, that we're with sometimes on uh, Avoiding Babylon, he, he made a post uh, about, about this in particular. I can't think of the, of, of the word, uh, the, the Greek word off the top of my head, but basically it even shows in a more perfect sense this idea of full of grace. It's always has been or, or, uh, or is full of grace. So this idea that, Oh well, she's just highly favored. That just goes against the grain of of the facts that are there, and 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 you're, you're not only are you doing unkindness to Our Lady, you're also lying to yourself if if you truly believe that and have not and have put in the work. If you put in the work to research and you still come up with that idea that it means highly favored, you're just you're just being dishonest. And well, let's I, assume let's I assume have no for patience for that. Let's assume for a moment that it does mean highly favored. So what's so what's your problem with giving her reverence? If the angel of the Lord can say she's highly favored, why can't what why now all of a sudden when it comes to us human beings, we we have to I mean it almost seems like they just despise her. Well, they will well, the ones that actually don't necessarily badmouth her but don't don't give her the you know, the uh believe the things about her that are true. 
they will, you know, well, where did it say Mary was sinless? Well, well she was full of grace. You know, you're, if you're full of grace, it means that you don't have sin. So that's why that terminology is important to use and not highly favored because full of grace shows that Our Lady was without sin. There's only, yeah, there's, there's actually only two people in the Bible who are referred to as being full of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, there's St. Luke's Gospel where uh, the angel refers to Our Lady as gratia plena. And there's also St. John's Gospel, where uh, the the beginning of St. John's Gospel, where he talks about our Lord uh, being full of grace and truth. And so (coughs) you got to, well, let's put it through this way. I like to entertain, let's entertain the the Protestant notions about Mary and see if there, see if it costs us anything. So if, if Mary is not, uh, full of, if, if she is not sinless, if she um, does not commit any sins, if she's not stained by original sin, well, then it has to be reconciled how God can be conceived. Because remember, all of the biological material, God is, God is both full, he, Jesus is both full God and full man, right? He is true God and right. true man, full, full union of hypostasis. All of the biological material that makes up his humanity is borrowed from Our Lady. And what we know about original sin and the stain of original sin is it's not just some sort of ethereal, spiritual thing. It corrupts the flesh, right? It's something, it's it's not just something that, uh, you know, it's not like you're born with a, with a, a sin that you've committed, right? Because you haven't committed any sins, right? Yet. But you're born with this, this awful sort of thing that a, 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 a thing that corrupts your very nature, right? Yeah. Um, and so that only gets removed through baptism. Now we have to find out how how Jesus, as God, can be can be conceived with a fallen nature. How can God have a fallen nature? This doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I mean, am I crazy or again? And, and granted, I'm not a theologian, but it just seems to me that um, it would be. Well, I, I don't know, and, and I may be wrong here. And again, if I'm wrong, please somebody comment, let me know. But I, I don't think the, uh, the church necessarily teaches that Mary had to be sinless in order for Christ to be sinless. I don't think it was necessary, but, um, but it definitely makes sense for her because the, the one thing I think that, sh- that people struggle with the Protestants in particular and uh, reverence in our lady, like they should, is they don't understand the typology. They don't understand that Mary is the new Eve. She's the new Ark of the covenant and so on and so forth. Like for instance, Protestants will say, well, Mary wasn't perfect because uh, Jesus rebukes her at the wedding of Cana. He says, woman, what hast thou to do with me or, you know, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's let's dig into that a little bit deeper. So when you read John one, you read in the beginning was the word you you read about how the word is God. The word, you know, is is Jesus and and he's from eternity. right? Right. But then it goes on in John one to say the next day. The next day, the next day, the next day, three days later. Yeah, so did I do the math right? No, no. So it went the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day. Yeah, three days later. So anyway, you have seven days, right? You're in chapter two, seven days later. What does that harken back to creation, right? Seven days of creation. We know nobody disputes that Jesus is the new Adam. So we have a waiting here, but we don't know who the bride and groom is. We just know of two people, Jesus and Mary. Uh, so they're out of wine. She comes to Jesus. She says, hey, they're out of wine, so on and so forth. Jesus says, woman, what does this have to do with me, my time? But anyway, then he goes on to do what his mother asked him to do, right? He went ahead, and that was the start of his ministry. So what do we learn from this? Woman isn't a rebuke. It harkens back to creation. So we already have seven days of creation in John 1 reference in that. We have Jesus, the new Adam. We have, uh, 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 he says woman, which references Eve. 
And then now this is the start of Jesus's ministry, the start of the new creation in Christ Jesus. We have a new creation story here, and you have to have an Adam and an Eve for the creation story to be full and to have all the characters in it. So Mary is our new Eve. She is our And what does scripture tell us about Eve? She is the mother of all the living. So if Eve is the mother of all the living and Mary is the new Eve, then she's the mother of all the the children of God. Yes, in Christ. Yes, absolutely. And well, and keep in mind, Adam never calls Eve Eve. Adam, every time that Adam refers to Eve, he calls her woman, the woman, right? So yeah, when, when Christ says, woman, what is this to do with me? My hour has not yet come. There you go. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I was struggling with the quote. <laughs> well, it's okay. I mean, it, there's different, there's various, I, I don't know that that is the, the quote itself, but, um, but what, but what happens next is water is turned into wine, mm-hmm. a covenant a, and a, a covenant sort of, you see covenant language emerge here, right? And Scott Hahn could do this a, a lot more beautifully than I could, but the, but the bottom line is that's not a sin. No, she that's didn't not commit a sin. any sins. Well, well, let me let me ask you this as well. Okay, yeah. let's say that I grant them that Jesus is rebuking her by calling her woman. Okay, for sake of argument, let's say that's right. What did Eve do at the foot of the cross when he called her woman? What did she do to warrant rebuke from Christ if calling her woman is a rebuke? No, again, at the cross, it's a, it's a reference back to Eve. Yes. Yeah. Mary is the new Eve. Indeed. Indeed. Because for for everything, everything, all of salvation history is basically an undoing of everything that went wrong in, at Eden. Right? Everything that everything that went wrong in Eden has to be made right again. And so we have the new Adam, but he's different. He he like the old Adam, okay, the because the old Adam was not conceived in sin. All right, yeah. Okay, so like the old Adam, we have the we have we have the perfect, right? A perfect man, but this time he does everything right. Um, and so, what's undone is what's undone is that fall, and because it, it and and in this way, and if you if you think about it, how how did the fall happen? The fall happened because. They, uh, the imagery that's used in Genesis is the eating of fruit from a tree, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then that we also find out there's this other tree there called the tree of life. And we don't, we don't find anything out about the tree of life until basically they're about to get kicked out of Eden. And we're like, well, what's this tree of life situation? Well, what, what, what is it that we, what is it that we do now in order to achieve our new life in Christ? Well, go read John chapter six, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the son of man, you have no life in you. Who was on another tree? Who, the fruit that hangs from the tree of life. Amen. And we must eat that tree. So again, we're undoing everything that happened at Eden. Confession. Confession is an undoing of something that happened at Eden because when Adam and Eve do fall, and God goes to to greet them. They never they never admit what they did. They never own the responsibility for what they did. First, first Adam tries to blame the woman. It was it was the woman. There's that language again, woman. And then he then he blames God. He said it was the woman you gave me. Now it's now this is God's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he never and he never admits responsibility. Never fesses up to what he did, and he never ask for forgiveness that never happens now christ doesn't sin so he doesn't need to ask for forgiveness but we as members of the mystical body get the opportunity to undo that that part of the story every time we go to confession and so you know i i keep going back to eden keep going back to eden because that's that's the, all of salvation history is an undoing of everything that went wrong in that garden. Right. Yeah. And <clears throat> you know, when, when you have Protestants, you'll even have some say that, well, we respect Mary, but we think all these other different things about her, but you're still not giving the blessed Virgin the due honor that she deserves. I mean, I mean, and, and, and I think 
you know, at least on Twitter this past week, I know you're not on Twitter, but you kind of kept you, every day that I'm not. <laughs> you've kind of kept abreast <laughs> with it because of our, of our text group that we have yeah. with some friends of ours, but, um, they act like, well, why, why are you getting so offended about these things? You know, you're attacking me. Well, because you're attacking something that is near and dear to us and, 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 and telling falsehoods about the Virgin Mary. Why wouldn't we, if somebody was telling falsehoods about Jesus, you would be all over it. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm not saying, you know, I know we're accused of Mary being a, oh, you worship her. She's an idol. She's a goddess. The church doesn't teach that at all. No cat, no, no Orthodox Catholic believes that Mary is a goddess or right. that she, or that she is due the same worship that God is due. No, nobody believes that. Right. Right. <clears throat> um, going back to the typology, one of the, and her perpetual virginity, again, in order to understand the perpetual virginity, one thing you need to understand, again, is typology, because all the types in the old are imperfect, but they're perfected in the new. So, again, one of my favorite typologies, and I was talking to my sister about this the other night. She's not Catholic. She's married to Catholic. Her kids are just started Catholic school, so I'm hoping I can push her over the edge. So pray for my sister. Will do. Um, but I was talking to her about all this, and I said, look, what did – the Ark of the Covenant of the old, of the Old Covenant. What did it hold? It held manna from heaven. It held or, or or the man in the desert. I'm sorry, the manna from the desert. It held Aaron's rod, and it held the Ten Commandments. The law. Mm-hmm. And if you yeah, so they all represented. You know the 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 manna was the bread. The the the, the Aaron's rod represented the high priesthood, and like you said, the Ten Commandments, the tablets represented the law. Um, and remember the story of Uzzah, he died because he touched the ark trying to keep, he didn't just touch it out of irreverence or, or because he's like, Oh, I'm not supposed to touch it. So I'm going to, he touched it to, to what we would think is a good thing. It was tipping over. So he tried to stop it. Now, granted they were transporting it wrong, but he still tried to stop it from tipping over a, a good thing. God struck him dead because he was, man was not worthy to touch that ark. Right. Okay, so what did the new, or, or I'm sorry, what did Mary, the Blessed Virgin, what did she hold in her womb? She held Jesus, who is our new high priest, who is our bread from heaven, who is our new high priest. If God viewed the Ark of the Old Covenant with such high regard, how much more does he hold the Blessed Virgin Mary for carrying Jesus Christ, the second person of the, person of the Trinity, in her womb? How much more pure and special is she than that than that ark made of wood and and gold and and material things? Yeah, no, well, and in terms of her virginity, the 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 uh, um, the 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 attack against the teaching on a perpetual virginity usually centers around James, the brother of Jesus, right, mm-hmm. and. And of course, the Catholic answer to that is in first century Palestine, that term could be used in a variety of contexts to describe a variety of different familial relations, cousins, uh, you know, any if and sometimes fictive kin, what's called fictive kin, which is like uh, when you're you're not really related, but you call yourselves brother anyway, like guys yeah. like my brother, man, I've known him since forever. He's like my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's here's what we here, in order, just so, so you know you're becoming like my brother since we did this episode. I know, I this know, podcast. Man, totally, totally, man, totally, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, so how anybody, do we know? If anybody right? ever hears me say Mark's my brother, don't worry, he's not my little brother, right? You yeah, know, don't, I mean, you know. But um, so 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 here's the question: How can we know? Yeah. Well, we can know simply. Saint Paul tells us quite clearly in Second Thessalonians. Hold fast to the traditions which have been handed down to you. Go back and find out what those early Christians believed. I mean, Amen. don't you think Amen. it's a don't you think it's a little bit strange that Jerome, a Catholic, who believed in the perpetual virginity of Mary, included books in the Bible that say that there that say that he had brothers and things like that. It, it was Jerome just stupid. And so when he assembled these things, he just, he just didn't know. He, he'd never read Jerome had never read the Bible. <laughs> like, I think there's some things that you have to say, okay, is it possible? I mean, have enough humility to, 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 
to know that you don't understand everything, right? Good, and good go point. back and find out what, if if it's true that this is just an innovation, right? Then there should be evidence very early on in early Christianity of of the fathers speaking about this. But you find evidence to the con. You all you mm-hmm. find is evidence. You don't find anybody of the opinion that Mary had children other than Jesus until the middle of the 16th century. So in actuality, the attacks on Our Lady's perpetual virginity, those are the innovations. Those are the modern inventions of people who had no connection to the story at all. Well, well, my question is, if it is a modern innovation, to what ends, to what benefit does it have the Catholic Church to innovate the perpetual virginity? To, to what end? It's, it, 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 it doesn't... It, it doesn't seem like it, it It would, you know, we're in the middle of the 16th century. We're in the middle of the Protestant Reformation. How does that help the Catholic Church if it's not a truth? You know what I'm saying? Because they, because the Protestants were obviously already kicking back against a lot of the teachings of the church. So to what end is this teaching besides that it's true? And, and going back to your point, we're 2,000 plus years removed from this, right? Right. Okay, so... Let's say I'm Protestant, you're Catholic. We disagree on that. How, you you know, the language in scripture that that we read today in our English Bibles, how are we going to resolve that? Because we both disagree. Why not go back to the people that lived closest to that time period and understood the language that was used at that time far better than even scholars today understand it because they were living it. Now, let's see see what they say. I think there was, I think the Protestant response to that would be that. Over time, the the teaching got corrupted, or it was. See, yeah, but that's the, just a cop out. One of the things that they don't that that one of the things they don't believe is that the church's teachings by a supernatural charism are protected from error. Right? That that they, they don't. I, I don't think that Protestants really believe that because if they did, you wouldn't. You you can't get sola scriptura from that because if you constantly have to go back to the book. Um, and the book is the ultimate arbiter of what is true and what is not. And the book is the book didn't come around until six, seven hundred years after yeah. uh, the, the the events in question. But here's here. So here's my here's my question to those who. Or here's my answer, I guess, to those who question that fundamental thing, that the, that the fundamental teaching of the story, that is the, the truth about faith and morals are protected by a supernatural charism from error, okay? Jesus as God, right? The second person of the Holy Trinity has existed for all eternity. And throughout all of human history, God is the ultimate chooser of the time and the place of of his revelations, okay? So Jesus could have chosen to come into the world at any time in human history that he wanted to. For some reason, he chose to come to us at a time before the invention of digital video recorders, audio recorders, or, or any, type of, any type of device that we can go to and first, you know, watch him say these things. He chose to come to us at a time when the primary means of communicating things was was word of mouth and writing was becoming a thing, okay? Just sort of, I mean, there'd been writing in human history, but I'm saying people weren't writing histories of people at that time. They just weren't doing it. In fact, you can call the Gospel of Luke one of the very earliest examples of a historical biography of anybody, of anybody in history, right? People just didn't do that back in those days. so if it's true that you can't count on the gospel accounts and on the on the early church fathers and on the central teaching of the church to be historically accurate because it the church's teaching isn't protected by this supernatural charism then you can't really know for sure anything that Jesus said which means that if God became a man, 
It was the most important historical event that has ever happened in all of human history, and the only people who can know anything about it with any certainty are those people who happen to be lucky enough to have been born in first century Palestine. And everybody else just gets nothing. It was the biggest non-event in all of history, actually. And whoever Jesus of Nazareth was and whatever it is he taught, it really doesn't have anything to do with you, so you don't have to worry about it at all. That's really the only conclusion you can come to. The only way that that's not true is that by a special grace of God, the, cent- the central teaching of the, of, the, of the story, the morals, and the theological truths that the church proclaims are protected from error by a special charism. It's the only way that any of this has anything to do with you living here in 2022 at all. I mean, am I wrong? No, I mean, I mean, you're not. And I know, I know the Protestants would, you know, refer to sacred scripture, you know, the, the Bible, what they, you know, what's they would say is the word of God. I mean, it is the word of God in the, in the little WL or W sense. Right. But also I think they fail to make the distinction that because, because some things I've seen recently in some, excuse me, on some debates that I've had is that, the like one guy said the bible is eternal because he referred to psalms where it says the word of god is eternal they fail to make the distinction that the word of god is jesus christ who is eternal right jesus christ the holy spirit are not confined to white paper with black ink right so the word of god is eternal the the logos until you understand that you are not going to have a proper understanding of scripture and again if we're all interpreters of, of scripture, how do we know who is right? That, as you were saying, there has to be a group that has a special uh, charism in the, you know, that God has given them to prevent error and, and, and only proclaim truth. And that is the Catholic church. And to be the ultimate interpreter of what the scripture says. Right. And look, it's not just like that with scripture. It's like that with everything. If it, the, why does this, why does the United States Supreme Court exist? The United States Supreme Court exists because the drafters of the United States Constitution knew that eventually somebody is going to have to be the ultimate arbiter of what all this stuff means. Now you take and take the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment states a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security <laughs> of the state. Nobody agrees with that. <laughs> The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Okay, all arms of any type in all places at all times by all people? Or does that does the Second Amendment guarantee me the right to own an F-15 Strike Eagle? Well, no, nobody would say, well, why not? I would. Yeah, of course you would. <laughs> so which kind of arms? Which kind of people? Which and we can have a debate about that. You get five people in a room, you'll get seven different opinions about that. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, though, somebody has got to be the decider. Somebody has to have the authority to interpret the Constitution. Now, that's just how that's a human government thing, right? So, so obviously, the Supreme Court can get it wrong sometimes. Okay, right. and they because that's a human institution. But the, the church is not a human institution. It says so in, in, in the 13th chapter of Matthew's gospel. Jesus didn't say, you are Peter, and I give you the right to establish your church. It doesn't say that. It says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. St. Paul tells us to hold fast to that which has been held, handed down to us, either by word of mouth or written epistle. We can, te- we can trust the story of Mary. And if we can't, what can we trust exactly? Because this book, this, this book that we're calling the Bible is a collection of books assembled by men who believed in the perpetual virginity of Mary. Who also had and that now special, they can't be trusted. Uh-oh. Who also had that special, uh, uh, special uh, what's the word you use? Charisma. Char- charism, yeah. Char- or sorry, I'm using the wrong word here. That's of course, okay. Our viewers already already know I have terrible Actually, you, you No, you used the correct word. In fact, St. Saint, uh, Saint Ignatius of Antioch said, only the Catholic Church has the charisma of truth. 
Well, but yeah, but so so to my point, but the Catholic Church has decided that God did not. I, I challenge any Protestant who doesn't believe that to show me in Scripture, since they believe sola scriptura, Scripture is the final authority. Show me where it shows what books belong, because at some point you're accepting that men somewhere said these are what belong. And right. in today's world, you're born, you grew up in, say, the Baptist Church, Church of Christ, or wherever. You were told these are the books that belong. You go along with it. No research, no knowledge of how it was actually compiled. But it, didn't, com it, it didn't come from God in the sense that God dropped the table of conscience. It came, it came to us from God through his holy church, through the through the providence of God, the Holy Spirit was guiding these church councils, the Church of Rome, the you know all, yeah. all, the Church of Hippo, and all those, saying this is what belongs in sacred sacred Scripture. Now I will say this: I do respect the Protestants in one sense. Okay, I get the sense that at the root of all this is a desire to be faithful to the truth. Okay, now they're confused about what the truth is. I'll give you that, but. Their, their desire is to be faithful to the Bible, okay, which they believe does not hold these truths. The modernists, on another hand, now these people I have no friggin' patience for. Oh, I don't even want to talk about those. Oh, no, you got to hear this story. So, I'm, a, so I'm, an under, I'm an undergrad at Loyola University. Shout out. Uh, go Ramblers. Um, this modernist Jesuit priest who's teaching – uh, history of Christian thought. He has a problem with... For our audio listeners, Mark just had a really good eye roll. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that, that, that over-the-top eye roll is directed at, at him. Oh, brother. And he has a problem with the Salve Regina, the prayer itself. He's, I'm not kidding you. He, he says, now listen to this prayer. And he goes through the Hail Holy Queen and he says, now, who is this prayer honoring? Is this prayer really about Jesus? And I'm like, let me get this straight for just a moment. You, who, you know, I'm sorry, I guess you have a PhD from what, the Gregorian or something like that. I, I guess <laughs> that's, that's, that's your they favorite all, one. They all do, right? <laughs> they all do. You now have convinced yourself that you are smarter more educated, more spiritually honed in to what is true Christianity than 2,000 years, than this prayer, which Christians have been praying. I mean, maybe the prayer itself isn't 2,000 years old, but it's pretty old, and it goes back a long time. I'm going to look it up. Are you Like, at what the hubris of that, the absolute narcissism of, some, of saying something like that? I just, and, you know, and... I'm thinking, man, if Ignatius of Loyola, I wish he were alive today so he could kick you out of his order. I mean, seriously. You oh, oh. could you just, I'm glad he's not at least, well, I mean, he's obviously alive and in heaven, but shoot. I mean, yeah, I, I can't imagine how he would. He's at the bar. He doesn't want to talk to anybody right now. <laughs> he's like, what? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. All right. You know, uh, Modernist aside, I, I wanted to mention that, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, I do uh, extent I do respect the Protestants or many of them at least uh, reverence for sacred scripture because we should have a a certain amount of reverence for it, right? Um, now I think they reach a point where it becomes more of an idol than it does, you know, more than it should. Sure. Um, I, I do know, like I've mentioned on here before, the faith group that I came from came out of the restoration movement and while their intentions were good, Alexander Campbell, Barton Stone and so on and so forth, they saw all these churches that were divided and they said, well, how do we create unity? Like we should all be one basically. And they said, well, we're just going to speak where the Bible speaks and silent where the Bible was silent was kind of the, the mantra of the, it still is today. While it was a good idea, they went about it the wrong way, obviously. So, so I do respect them. And they, and, and for many years, uh, many Protestants have put just your regular lay Catholics to shame on, on knowledge of the Bible. And, 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 and Catholics do need to step up their game in understanding sacred scripture. Like I, I've seen super duper 
trads on on social media and stuff saying that Catholics shouldn't read the Bible because of they're going to interpret bull. I mean, Saint Jerome said you need to understand you you need to read scripture. So I'm going to go with Saint Jerome more than <laughs> than I would. And by the way, speaking of Saint Jerome, I was going to say earlier, anybody thinks that we're harsh on the Protestants for the way they they view the Blessed Virgin Mary? Why don't you read Saint Jerome on on his letter to Helvidius? I mean, we're nothing compared to what St. Jerome mm. <laughs> wrote. Mm. <clears throat> and, and, and he was, again, writing. Again. I think Helvidius, if I remember off the top of my head correctly, I think he was saying that Mary wasn't a perpetual virgin. And he just mocked him for it, said that's just basically stupid. And interestingly enough, I was uh, talking to a Muslim friend of mine. <clears throat> He's Egyptian. He lives in Saudi Arabia. I knew I know him through work, but we've become really good friends. Um like when he came to the States to visit, I had him over for dinner and stuff like that. And, and we talk religion sometimes. So when he was here, I was, uh, every time we were driving around, he would see me pass a Catholic church. He'd see me cross myself. And then one, one time he asked me, he goes, Hey, that was a church over there. Why didn't you cross yourself? I said, well, that's, that's not a Catholic church. That's like a, and I kind of explained to him kind of as a Protestant Orthodox Catholic type type deal. Cause he wasn't aware of it. Gotcha. And so then somehow I remember Bishop Fulton Sheen said the way to a Muslim is through the Blessed Virgin Mary, right? Mm -hmm. Because they believe in the Blessed Virgin Mary in the sense that she was a perpetual virgin, so on and so forth. They give so, her every title that we give her except Mother of God. Yes. And she is the only woman mentioned by name in the Quran. So, so we were talking and I kind of met and somehow it came up and, 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 uh, like I said, I, I think I might've brought it up because I was thinking what's the best way for me to really try to get to, to, to his heart and, and try to convert him. Right. Because I, I like this guy. He's like a brother to me. Right. But, but he's Muslim. I want him to come over <laughs> to, to the right side. Right. right. So anyway, I, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but anyway, so we start talking about it and, uh, and I mentioned to him how well one one difference between Protestant and Catholics, Protestants don't believe that Mary was a perpetual virgin. He goes, What? And I said, I said, Yeah, they don't believe she's a perpetual virgin. They believe she had other kids. His response was, That's just stupid. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, see, because people in the ancient Near East knew the story of this woman. That Here's was going to be my point. Yes. Jesus was a popular person in his day. It's not like it's not like he was this really obscure person that nobody had ever heard of until like hundreds of years after the events in question. That is not the case. Jesus, Mary, the apostles, th these were all pretty famous people in their day. So yeah, it, people in the Middle East knew the story of this woman named Mary of Nazareth. And they knew that um, she was, she was uh, not just, a pious or a holy woman. They knew that she was uh, consecrated at a, at an early age uh, as a perpetual virgin to the service of God alone and only him. Uh, they knew the Muslims also believe that Jesus was born of the divine spirit. Now I asked a Muslim friend of mine, I said, what does that mean? Born of the divine spirit? And he goes, mm -hmm. well, Islamic scholars have not spent a lot of time on that. <laughs> like, yeah, I bet they haven't. Um, they, uh, they give her every title. They, they I, I believe they, I don't know what the Islamic teaching is on her death or assumption. I, I, don't, know. I don't know, but, but, but the bottom line is they do revere Mary a lot. In fact, there's a Catholic church in Bahrain and right next door to the Catholic church. I've been there, there is, many times. Is, there, there is a, a mosque and the mosque is called Mary, the mother of Jesus mosque. Um, you know, I've been there many times and I, I have I, I didn't never notice that because the Muslim friend I'm talking to you about, he would on Sundays, he would drive me to mass in Bahrain. I tried to get him to come in a few times, but he would just hang out in his car and wait for me. So I, I really appreciate him, you know, his, his willingness to bring me to mass. But, uh, but I, but anyway, to, to your story, I never, never knew that. And, and if, if I might add one thing real quick, I guess the whole point of me telling that the whole story about my interaction with, with my Muslim friend was that, you know, when Mohammed was coming up with Islam, right. I mean, I, I believe there's a lot of evil within Islam. Don't get me wrong. But he blended a lot of different beliefs at the time. And you're talking about, what, 
600 AD or so, yeah. a lot closer to the time than we we do. So the fact that they revere Mary that much tells you that this wasn't a medieval innovation because apparently at that point in Muhammad's life, people already had high regard and high esteem for the Blessed Virgin Mary that he that he integrated that into the Islamic religion. So my personal theory on Muhammad, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, is that I think so. <laughs> I think um, well, there's two there's two possibilities. One, he did invent the whole thing, or a a an evil spirit appeared. Well, I didn't want to. I actually the, with Quran. I but, actually leaned towards that way, but I didn't want to jump out. Because I mean, who can know? Yeah. Who can? Yeah, know, exactly. Right? That, that's I why mean, I either way, we do there. we do hold that it is a false religion because right. uh, to hold otherwise and still be Catholic would be absurd. But um, uh, Satan will also well, Satan will often mix a little a, a little truth in with with the lie, right? He well, look what happened on the temptations of Jesus. He was he was tempting Jesus, but he was telling truth with just a little bit of a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I I I do think it's interesting that um, that 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 you don't find any examples of anybody in the ancient near East um, believing the Protestant ideas about Mary. And you don't find any examples of these beliefs anywhere until the middle of the 15th of the 16th century. So that, that tells me where the ideas come from. They don't come, they're, they're not divinely inspired. They're, these are not theological truths. These are innovations um, by men who, Maybe they had good intentions. Maybe they were just embittered. And, you know, there's a lot of different stories about the Protestant Reformation. Who could know? But um, I stand with Our Lady. She is my mother. And she's more, I mean, I'm closer to Our Lady than I am to my own actual mom. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I think that I, I look back on my life and the times in which I was, I strayed away from the church and I was far from our Lord. It was always the way back was always the rosary. I would just, for some reason, get the inclination to pick up an old rosary. And I would, I would, I would, I would initially just start kind of carrying it around with me. And I would either carry it in my pocket or around my neck. And then I would eventually pray it. And something about praying it always leads me back to confession, which always leads me back to communion. And, living the life of grace and even in the like i said hopefully hopefully i'm back to stay i i, I by the by the grace of god but there have been times in my life like every oh no, I, I i got you don't worry if if you if you if you try to leave i'm gonna i'm gonna form tackle you <laughs> good good <laughs> i mean i mean you're bigger than i am but 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 i'm gonna muster up the strength hey don't don't <laughs> let it fool you i'm also older than you are too so <laughs> Yeah, and, and and you know the <clears throat> the church also teaches that um, Mary always leads us to her son. So, like like when we talked about apparitions in one of our earlier episodes, one way that you can tell if an apparition is good or not does it lead you to Jesus Christ, or does it lead you contrary to the truth that is found only in Jesus Christ? You know, so all so, I've ever seen it do is lead people to cat hoarding. I I, I don't know if I've ever. <laughs> I mean, I, I see these women, they're, they're like these, they're kind of old women, they're, their kids have gone off and left them, nobody pays attention to them, and they go to Medjugorje, or they go to Bayside, and they see these visionaries, and everybody just hangs off their every word, and then they come back from Medjugorje, and now they see the Virgin Mary, and it's like, okay, I think I see what's going on here. I mean, I hate, yeah, to, I yeah. hate to poo-poo everything, but I'm just a... I am a naturally pretty skeptical guy. Um, in fact, one of the reasons I am such a strong believer in the Catholic Church is the resurrection story. Um, if that's not true, if that's not true, there's some really difficult things that need to be explained. And yeah. I, go back and watch the episode that I did uh, on Resurrection Sunday about about that. But sometimes some of these apparitions and stuff like i don't want people to think oh i'll just go along with it you just put mary's name on it and i'm on board that's no not, and you should do, do that. that that's not healthy right i mean it's not healthy and every apparition should be examined closely 
But again, once I like for me, once I examined Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Guadalupe, stuff like that, it was it was undeniable to me personally. Now I know you're not required as a Catholic to believe in private revelations. Yeah. But uh, by the way, I do but, believe in Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our yeah, Lady I know. of Lourdes, and Fatima. So, so, but, but yeah, no, but, but to your point, you shouldn't just, just blindly follow the apparitions because there have been some that are not so true, right? Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to touch on um, that I was thinking about before this episode was also the the Protestant idea that Jesus gave birth, or I'm sorry, Jesus didn't give birth. Mary gave birth. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Mary gave, alert. Yeah. Everybody just shut shut the show off. <laughs> um, I would I, I would say we would edit that out, but we don't take the time to edit no, anything. No, don't do it. <laughs> so let me start over. Hi, Mark. My name is Jason. <laughs> so I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Hi, Jason. Sorry. So uh the one the one thing I did want to talk about was that um now I've lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. Um, there will be Protestants that will say, well, G- uh, uh, Mary, I almost did it again. Mary gave birth to the human side of Jesus, but not his divine. And again, women what? don't, women don't give birth to natures. They give birth to persons. Yeah. That's so just... if we believe, if we believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man, then Mary gave uh, birth to both. And actually at the council of Ephesus back in, I think in the fourth century, maybe the 400s or so. I have to look it up. They already settled this. That's how Mary got the title Theotokos because she is the God bearer. You know, it, it was debated. Is she the Theotokos or the, I think it's the Christotokos, the Christ bearer. No, she is the Theotokos, the mother of God, the God bearer. Right. So, so, so this debate has already been settled and it doesn't, it, it, if you're going to say that. That's a bad argument. No, no, it I'll, is. And, and that's what I'm about to say. If you say that Mary only gave birth to the human side of Jesus, then in my mind, you're you're arguing that at some point Jesus se- ceased to be divine, which is impossible. Yeah, because that's the, the, the that's the whole point of Jesus's hypostatic union. He doesn't have a human side. He's not half human and half yeah. God. That's not <laughs> that's and not that, what Jesus is. Jesus is one hundred percent human, one hundred percent God. Two natures in in one person. I mean that that and if he's not, you're not a Protestant. You're an Aryan, <laughs> or uh, or is that an, or is that an historian? I don't. I, I those uh, heresies uh, are so old, nobody believes in them anymore. I mean, come on. Yeah, let me let me see when she got the uh, when the Council of Ephesus. Was. While you're doing that, I want to try out, I want to try out a new intro. Okay, let's see if let's see let's see what you guys think of this. It sounds effeminate so far. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to Trad Men. You're tuned in to The Quiet Storm. Mark and Jason are going to be keeping you company all night. Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to grow in holiness. We're going to make some love. It's The Quiet Storm with Mark the Shark on Trad Men. What do you think? You like that? I like it except, for you? except you made me uncomfortable with the whole we're going to make love part. Well, you know, I, I, I mean, I we're don't... not, you and I personally are not, but no I'm homo. just saying that <laughs> I'm just saying love, lo- love in the brotherly sense of it. it could have, okay, let me try that one more time. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's start over. Oh yeah. Welcome to Trad, man. I'm your host, Mark the Shark, and you're tuned in to the quiet storm. We're going to be keeping you company all night. We're going to grow in divine charity. We're going to we're going to make some novenas. We're going to have a good time. It's Trad Man right here on YouTube. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah, That's I feel uncomfortable I feel uncomfortable with that one too. I creep myself out with I that. I think one. we I just think- I you know, I think we probably lost at least 50 viewers. <laughs> subscribers on our youtube thanks a lot mark this is I, I, hey, this is know, a slow grind and you just ruined it for us if uh if 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 mark has made you feel uncomfortable in tonight's podcast feel free to forward all email us emails uh 
to the law offices of Can We Cheat Them and How, and they will be happy to uh, take your case and class action lawsuit. And anyway, all right. So, Council of Ephesus, 431 A.D. So I yes. was. So it was the, what would it be the fifth century then, not the yeah. fourth. Yeah. So something like yeah. that. Close enough. Look at that, dude. We're right up on an hour. It's one hour. I think. Uh, have we put the Protestants sufficiently on blast? You guys are on blast, just in case you didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, tired, I, tired, I don't, tired I, of Protestants. I don't man. like people talking about my mother. And uh, yeah, me neither, man. I'll tell you what. And <sighs> and here's the here's the thing about the whole situation. The Blessed Virgin knows what you're saying about her. That's not favorable to her, but she still loves you. She does. She does. And she prays for you. Make you and, and you're breaking your mother's heart. Think about that. Yeah. I mean, at the at the foot of the at the foot of the cross, Christ entrusted his mother, not just to Saint John the Apostle, to all of us. And so, you know, that's Jesus' mama. How can you? Let, how, how dare as, you? As Saint how, Maximilian Kolbe said, "How dare you?" As Saint Maximilian Kolbe said, "You never be afraid to love Mary too much because you can never love her more than Jesus did." Mm. Mm. And, you, and, and and here's the other thing: we just had the feast of the Assumption, and it was it was beautiful. I, I mean, it, at our parish, it was it was fantastic. And 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 this is being recorded on the feast of Our Lady of Knock, Queen of Ireland. There you go. So, so what what I wanted to also mention was is we talked about Mary being the Ark of the New Covenant. The Ark of the Old Covenant was lost forever, right? Or we don't know where. No, nobody's yeah. been able to find it for what several thousand years at this point. I guess I don't, I don't know the exact number. I know it's over two thousand years. <laughs> the, the Ethiopians claim that they have it, but I'm skeptical of that. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical. But the, the the fact of the matter is, is, okay, so you read the end of Revelation 11, and for people that may not know, remember, the the chapters and the verses in the Bible aren't always actually good cuts as far as from chapter to chapter, because men made those chapters and verses. These, these books were not originally written in right. verses and chapters and stuff. But then again, the Catholic Church also added chapters and verses that actually came from You're Catholic welcome. priests or monks, right? You're welcome. So anyway, at the end of chapter 11, you read, they, you know, they're, they open, you know, uh, actually, you know what, Mark, if you, if you allow me, I, I don't want to mess this up because this is beautiful. So let me, let oh, me, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna me wait, you're going to wait here with Mark the shark while Jason finds the right quote of the Bible. Here it is. Okay. So at, and the, we're back. at the end, of chapter 11 on Revelation, you read the temple of God was open. And there you see uh, in the temple the ark of his testament. And all, and, and there's a few other um, sentences in that verse. Chapter 12 comes. What do you see in chapter 12? A woman. The woman clothed the with woman, the sun. The woman, sun, with the moon under her feet, 12 uh, stars as as a crown above her head. And I know people will say that, in that chapter, the the woman is either the Israel or is the church, which, in a I, sense, I, I will concede that there scripture has multiple meanings in many cases. However, in chapter twelve, you read about the dragon who is personified, you know, uh, is personified for the devil. You read about um, the child who is personified as Jesus. Well. For it to make sense, uh, you know, the dragon and the child are, are, are actual beings that, that are alive. Well, it would only make sense for the woman to be a woman who is an actual being, right? Right. So that would be Mary. And, and, and I know, you know, the church works to an extent. Israel, the nation of Israel works to an extent, but not, not that well in many instances because... Uh, or, or the church, I'm sorry, because the church didn't give birth to Jesus, right? Jesus is quite the opposite, actually. Quite the opposite. But we can see Mary reigning in heaven with the crown. And what does that denote? That denotes queenship. That denotes, if you understand, again, another typology, if you understand the Davidic kingship in the Old Testament, 
the mother of the king was the queen, not the wife. Mm. Mm. So if Jesus is the new Davidic king, who is the queen? Interesting. It, ha it has to be. Mary. I didn't know that. That's fascinating. Yeah. I think it's called the Geberah or something like that. You could, uh, you can is what they called it, but yeah. So when you had King so uh, King Solomon, the queen was Bathsheba, and you read that um, uh, there was a man that came and wanted to request something of King Solomon, but he didn't want to go to the king because he knew the king would deny him. So he went to Queen Bathsheba. Queen Bathsheba then goes to the king, and King Solomon actually grants his mother her wish. Now he did have a workaround on it to end up doing something he shouldn't have done to the guy. However, he did not deny his mother. Mm. So what do we learn about that? If Jesus is the new Davidic King of the new Testament, you know, in the lineage of King David, his mother would be the queen, which is Mary. And what does a Catholic church teach? Go to Mary to go to Jesus because Jesus doesn't like denying his mother, much like Solomon didn't want to not deny Bathsheba. And if you, if you think about this parallel, Jesus came to us through a woman, through a woman named Mary. He came to us that avenue. He wants us to go back to him, go back up through Mary to him. Yes, yes. She is the mediatrix of all graces because Jesus is the source of all grace. And, if, and those graces came through Mary to us. So she, she, by definition of that, is the mediatrix of all graces. Yeah. Right. So for, for, for those that deny she's queen of heaven and earth, pull out revelation and, and, and get and, wrecked and get wrecked and <laughs> don't, don't read, Hey, Bob, the pastor at first Baptist church, what he says about it. Cause he's probably a premillennialist anyway, which is completely bonkers. Look at the church fathers. What did they say about it? Those that live closest to the time of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Go back to the source, man. Absolutely. Uh, all right, we're at an hour. We're going to wrap it up because I got to get out of here. I'm so glad everybody joined us uh, for, for this uh, episode. Jason, thank you. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I don't know what's coming next, but we're going to try to hit you all with more con more regular content yep. from here on out. And um, that's really all I've got. Any parting thoughts, Jace? No, just uh, what, anybody that's uh, after this episode, anybody that's strayed far from their mother, Pray to her, get back close to her, get to the sacraments, get the Holy Mass, and may God bless every one of you and Our Lady keep you. And remember, life is hard, but it's harder when you don't pray the rosary. God bless everybody. Amen.